Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Ask yourself the question get to not the root, like the childhood root, but like, like get to know yourself. Why are you so pissed off? Why are you so jealous right now? Why do you feel so insecure? Like, get to know yourself so that no one else ever defines who you are again. Hi, my name is Mark Groves, and I'm obsessed with understanding human behavior and why we do what we do. In this podcast, I interview the world's most brilliant minds and hearts, where I get to explore, alongside you, every subject you can imagine relating to our human experience and how we relate. It is my deepest intention that we all learn how to create the life and love that we've always dreamt of. Now, before we get rolling, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And one ask that I have, and an amazing way that you can help support the podcast, is by wherever you listen to it, giving it a five-star review and a written review. With all that said, let's dive in and transform our lives. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Rose Podcast. Today, I have a returning guest, Vasavi Kumar. Hello. What's with that? that? I'm sorry. That was kind of like British moving into accent. It's was like it slightly Indian with the rolling of the R's. Vasavi Kumar. I appreciate it. I feel, I feel seen. Oh, I did try to pronounce your name of its origins. Did I do okay? I appreciated it. I love the gusto in which you said it. I, Mark, I, I just keep laughing at everything that's coming out of your mouth. Your delivery is just on point. It's just, you really, you really do something to me. You know what it is? My moods tend to be you know, fluctuate a lot. And so you have such a neutral tone of voice. It just, it's, it's so beautiful to my nervous system. And I just start laughing. It's wonderful. You bring it into uh stasis. Yes, that's exactly. I like that. Yeah. Well, I know you just wrote a book. I did. Which is called Say It Out Loud. Yes. And 
I really love the way that you relate to the world and you relate to your own personal experience. On the last episode, you talked about things you'd been through in the realms of addiction and things like that. And it was so powerful and helpful for people. And the title of your book is um, very fitting. (laughs) I know you are known as the queen of saying it out loud, saying the thing that everyone's like. (laughs) So yeah, what got you into writing this? And, And yeah, let's get into it. I would love to tell you the fun story behind that, but I would like to say, if I'm the queen of saying it out loud, that you are, you are definitely the king of saying it out loud. <laughs> because there have been times that I've, I've you've said some things and I'm like, damn, Mark, damn, that hurt. It's too early for that. But it like hurt in the best way possible because <laughs> it was the truth. It was the truth. So I just want, if I'm the queen of king, you can, you can take the title. I'll take that. Yes. I'll take that. <laughs> this is quite the uh, kingdom to reign on. Yeah. I like it. So I'd like to share a story as far as how this book came to be. Back in 2020, right during the pandemic, it was it was December of 2020, actually. So we were in the thick of it. I signed up for a book proposal coaching program. It was a 13-week program, a woman named Rochelle Fretzen. And I said, you know what? I'm depressed. I need a project to work on. I'd just gone through a breakup. I needed to channel that energy somewhere because I was just sitting and feeling sorry for myself, to be very honest with you. So I signed up for a 13-week coaching program. This was to complete my book proposal, which, you know, you have to write your book proposal, then you shop it around to agents, and then the agents shop it around to publishing houses. Okay, so I wrote this entire book proposal, and the title was originally, I Can't Help You, (laughs) and the (laughs) subtitle was, But You Can Fix Yourself. (laughs) Like, it was, no one knows this. Anyway, I shopped it around to a few agents. I wrote the entire book proposal. I shopped it around to a bunch of agents. One of the agents, her name was Wendy Sherman. I knew about her from years ago. She's an agent to a lot of you know, self-help authors you know, that are very familiar and well-known. Anyway, she rejected my proposal <laughs> immediately. Damn. She's like, whoa, she, like yep, she, she rejected it immediately. And I talked to Rochelle Fretzen, who was my book proposal coach, and I'm like, should I give up? And she's like, no, just wait. Just wait. Don't do anything. And so one day I was on an IG Live with Rochelle, and Rochelle was asking me about my rituals, my habits? What do I do to keep myself clear on the inside? She's like, do you journal? I go, nah, I don't journal. I just say it out loud. And she said, what do you mean you say it out loud? I go, you know, I just feel like by the time I put my thoughts to paper, I've already lied to myself. I go, but when I say out loud what I'm thinking, I can't lie to myself. It comes out exactly what it sounds like in my head. So I don't put my thoughts on paper. I mean, obviously I do and I have to do a to-do list or organize, you know that, but For me to process my thoughts, I say them out loud. I'm an external processor and I tap into different parts of me. So i that's all I had said. I go, I say it out loud. The same agent that rejected my proposal, Wendy Sherman, happened to be watching that IG Live. I had no idea. And so she messaged Rochelle and she said, who is that dynamic woman, Vasavi? And Rochelle said, you rejected her proposal. (laughs) You rejected her, remember? So anyway, Wendy and I got reconnected and she said, I really like you. I really like your energy. I don't like what you're writing about. It sounds like you are a jaded woman who has just gone through a very bad breakup. And the energy of this is just, it's just, it's very cynical. And I can obviously say that now. It was just basically a word vomit of everything any man had done wrong to me, right? It, yeah. That's what it was. And women should stay away from relationships. Like that's what it was about. And so my agent said, 
I think you have something here. She goes, and she was asked me, like, what do you mean when you say it out loud? And I said, well, we have many different parts to us. You know, as an actor, as a voiceover artist, I'm just in the realm of like tapping into different sub-personalities. That's what we got to do when we get ready for a part, right? I'm not Vasavi. I'm embodying a different part of me to become that character. And I go, we all have many different voices inside of us, don't we? Like, I was like, don't we all have... Mm -hmm. So anyway, she shopped this idea to Georgia Hughes over at New World Library. This is rarely ever done, Mark. I was on a Zoom with Georgia, the managing editor at New World Library, with Wendy and myself. And so we brain shopped my, you know, workshop this idea of say it out loud. And I said, well, what if in every chapter I help the reader talk to different parts of themselves? We have so many different parts to us. And they were like, say more. And so you know, we came together with this topic. I had a crappy book proposal and I was rejected. And the same agent came back and she liked what I had to say and she liked the energy that I exuded. And that's how my book was born. Just saying, say it out loud, that that's what I do. Wow. Yeah, I'm not a journalist. pretty powerful yeah. just to think of the synchronicity of yeah. that. That's, I think of this often of how the world, like your life can change in a second of some serendipitous moment. Recently, I was saying to a neighbor of mine, like, ah, oh, we're thinking of selling our house, da, 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 right? Not, I said, if you know anybody, I haven't put it on the market, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I get a text a month later and he's like, hey, are you going to sell your house? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I know a guy who's serious. He wants to see it tomorrow morning. I'm like, oh shit. And then had an offer on it and sold by noon the next day. And I was thinking to myself like, oh, the dream reality would be not having to put it on the market, not having to deal. And I just, it reminded me again of just sometimes we are taken care of, you know, and to imagine that that publisher or that agent was sitting on the live watching you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. So I wanted to say one more thing to your audience, right? In those seven months that I had been rejected over and over again, I could have stopped showing up. I could have stopped, you know, publishing my podcast. I could have felt bad about myself and felt shitty. I could have said no to doing Instagram lives, but I kept showing up and I kept saying it out loud. So I I really just want to say that it's so easy to be discouraged because we are rejected, but I, my rejections fuel me. I'm like, all right, fine. You don't want me. I'm just going to keep talking, you know? And so I just, I want to encourage everyone with whatever rejection it is, you know, this doesn't mean to chase after people who reject, but when it comes to what you're pursuing, your dreams in your career, you know, don't let those rejections stop you. I mean, it's, it's your job to continue to say out loud, Hey, I'm trying to sell my house. Hey, you know, this is how I journal or, or whatever it is. I mean, even with you and the house, had you not just dropped that seed Hey, I'm thinking of selling my house. Do you know anyone? You know, you didn't know when that was going to, you know, but you said it out loud. That's your responsibility. And that's the power that we have is to use our voice. That shift is, I think, important to put it out there to actually speak it. What you said about by the time, you know, the thought gets to pen to paper, you've already lied about yourself. That's really interesting. I, Kai is a big journaler. I'm not really at all. I, I seldom journal. I do find it effective to work through ideas, but I'm much like you, you know, I'd rather record a solo episode of a podcast and speak out what I'm processing or thinking about. It's interesting when we put in the processor to the pen to paper, we're often writing like what we think people want to hear. We're judging the thought. How did you see your process in terms of saying it instead of writing it? What was it? Were you filtering and narrating something when you were writing versus just expressing? When I sit down 
to write, it's more effort for me. It's more effort for Same. me. It, I mean, I'm just going to be straight up. And, and, and I want everyone listening. If journaling works for you, keep doing it. Journal your ass off if it works. Yeah, journal your ass off. I'm offering you another tool. You know, a lot of people talk about emotional regulation. This will help you. This is called verbal regulation, right? You can actually regulate your emotions through the sound of your own voice, right? And by playing with different tones of your voice. I realized this for me because, I, I mean, for me to sit down, say, well, how am I feeling? And write it down. By the time I do it, I'm like, wait, I don't even know how I feel anymore. But I can use my words. It's just easier for me to say, I feel like crap right now. I feel heavy. I feel tired. I feel discouraged. And when I hear myself saying that, there is a different part of me that is like, wait a minute. I do have a voice in me that's very encouraging, that is very positive. That's the voice of reason. I call it the voice of God, the voice of uh, our intuition. When it, when I hear myself saying certain things, I don't know what happens. I'm just able to access a different part of me that's like, wait a minute, you're not shitty. No, you're not. You know. So I think when we do that enough, we actually start to distance ourselves from the things that we're telling ourselves, right? It's mm -hmm. That's why it's so much easier if you were to be unkind to yourself, right, Mark? And you were sharing something that you were thinking about yourself and you said it to me. I'd be like, Mark, don't be unkind to yourself. Like, Mark, you deserve so much more from yourself. So we can do that with ourselves, but we keep it inside of our heads so it just becomes background noise. And what I'm suggesting to everyone is when you say out loud, whatever it is, the conundrum, the issue, the challenge, even like strategizing stuff about your next level in your business, next season, if you're the kind of person that has a lot going on in your head, it could really benefit you to say it out loud so that you can hear what's inside of your head and you can respond accessing a different part of you. That's interesting to be able to put it in. You said earlier, which I wanted to come back to because I think it's so powerful, is the concept of the tonality of your own voice can put you in regulation, which, yeah, I think about like Peter Levine's work where one of the ways to regulate your nervous system is to take a deep breath. And then when you exhale, use the VU, like VU, VU, and that's supposed to help stimulate the vagal nerve. The idea though of speaking out the thought when I think of the psychological process of self-silencing and especially when we have the inner critics, you know, and I, I want to get to how do you label the self or the parts. But when I think about the process that of the silencing, like where we spend so much time ruminating, and of course, that's a an adaptive strategy from childhood. So we're like ruminating. We think these thoughts need to stay in here because we judge the thoughts and then they get put in a little box, but they always talk back outside that box. So the process of actually verbalizing them auditorily, I could see the incredible value of that because we likely combined with rumination and catastrophizing and you know all the things that go on in our head, we probably also don't share what we truly feel and what we truly want to say. So starting that practice with self, because if we're not calling out the things in our head that aren't accurate or right or good, or I don't want judgment terms, but like that are un, unproductive, mm -hmm. then we're definitely not doing it in our external world. And so I, do you see that as part of the practice? Yeah, yes, I so see you smiling. I, so yes, I, I'm, I'm smiling because you're, you're under, like you're really getting this and that really, I love when people really understand what I'm trying to say here and they're like, are you sure you're not crazy? I'm like, only slightly. So, okay, so every exercise. And <laughs> yeah, maybe slightly. I'm just processing crazy here <laughs> yeah. out loud. Perfect. Listen, takes one to know one. So I just turned to chapter three in my book, right? It's talk to your triggers out loud. 
These are for all my people who struggle with emotional perfectionism, which is basically that some emotions are favorable for you to display and some aren't. At the end of every chapter, you don't even need an expensive ass journal. All you need is your voice to do these exercises. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. You don't need it. Yeah, you really don't. You just, I'm literally telling you what to say. So the, every exercise is broken down in terms of a prompt and a practice and a promise. The prompt is the noticing, right? The awareness. Notice when you're feeling triggered. Pay attention to the feelings in your body. You might be feeling uneasy, resistant, and or constrained. Now, this is the practice. This is the thing that is the game changer because every single practice is you asking yourself a question. I'm giving, I'm training you to be curious with yourself. So if it's hard for you to just say out loud how you're feeling, I always recommend asking yourself a question to prompt something inside of you. So for example, ask out loud, what's triggering me right now? If you're not used to using the word trigger, you can say bothering, annoying, irritating. So here's an example. I've done this before. I had to do this a lot. Like after my recovery, I just was so dysregulated from from life, but I would be frustrated and I would just stop and say, Vasavi, what is bothering you right now? And then I would let that part of me that's bothered or triggered respond back. So in my book, I actually give you example scripts, like ask yourself, what's bothering, triggering me right now? Pause and then actually say what it is. And then you can keep probing. My, my, my invitation to all my readers is to stop stopping with yourself, right? Ask yourself the question, get to not the root, like the childhood root, but like, like get to know yourself. Why are yeah. you so pissed off? Why are you so jealous right now? Why do you feel so insecure? Like get to know yourself so that no one else ever defines who you are again. Right. So that, that mm. that's what I love about these exercises is I'm actually training you to talk to yourself. We go to a therapist, you know, to listen, we go to a coach to ask the powerful questions, but we can do that too to ourselves, with ourselves. Yeah, that process of being 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 the person who can navigate and heal oneself, which is, you know, I don't think a, a foreign, I think having the leadership and or the guidance is helpful to know how to process or sit with these things that you're talking about. Because, you know, you said getting real with yourself thinking, oh, why am I so pissed off? Or why do I get really jealous? Instead, what we often do is we just pretend that that's not running our life till it erupts, right? Till it blows up our relationship, till we're dating someone new and all of a sudden we want to check their phone, which is not relevant to their current behavior maybe, but the past still living with us. And if we don't call out or say out loud the truth of how we're actually feeling, we can't deal with it. Like that's just a fact. If you can't sit with reality, you can't change it because you don't think you're part of it. And that, then we live in this world where we're just Delusional. lying to ourselves. Delusional. Yeah, it is delusion. And then we wonder why we have anxiety. Yep. I know why. Because you're pretending you're not angry. You're pretending your jealousy isn't destroying relationships. You're pretending that you like the circumstances you're in, the dysfunctional relationships, the addiction to whatever you're addicted to. You know, it's that seems to be normal, to be honest. Like that's kind of just normal life. That's normal. It's normal to see people suppress, depress, lie, cheat, monetize their pain, the disconnection with their self. And it's interesting how the journey back to health, wholeness, mental, emotional health is always self. It's always self. I know. And Never anything yeah. else. Because when, when, oh, the when, joke, the cosmic joke. When you and you are good within, when you're good with you, you're good, right? Like nothing and no one can- Abraham Hicks, yeah. right? 
being good with you. Yeah. Right. Your alignment of you with you. I want to go back to what you said about tone, because, you know, you have a new baby boy. So you know this. You know that when your son is crying, you're not going to yell at him. You're going to use a very soothing tone. And so we can play with our voice. I have a chapter in my book called Play Hide and Seek Out Loud. One of the questions, and I'm asking myself this in this season of my life, I think you'll appreciate this too, Mark. I've used my voice to help me in, you know, during very dark times in my life. By the grace of God, I'm not in it. I'm, I feel good. My life is good. I just had therapy. I was like, I'm good. I'll see you in two weeks. Like, I'm good. I'm, 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 I like it. Yeah, I'm being comfortable with, it's good. Things are good. Like, boss, you don't need chaos. Things are good. Like, I'm getting used to that. My nervous system is getting used to it. And I'm in this new season where it's like, oh, my book is coming out. What's next? And so instead of those voices in my head, that's like, you have no direction in your life. What are you doing next? Oh, my God. Like, just so dooms, dooms, like, doomstastic or like doomtastic, just so doomy and gloomy. This is what I've been asking myself. And I want your audience to really ask themselves this question because I give you all the prompts to like tap into your pain and, you know, help you express your emotions. But I also give you prompts to help you figure out what's next in your life. So this is the prompt. Yay, that's good. You can do this with yourself, but I recommend doing this with someone else. The question that I ask myself is, wouldn't it be fun if, and I just keep going. And I, so I've been saying, wouldn't it be fun if I was like a brand spokesperson? Wouldn't it be fun if I was on a commercial for a local car dealership? Wouldn't it be fun if I got hired to, I don't know, whatever, right? And just even that energy, can't you feel it? Wouldn't it be fun if, because- yeah, it feels possible. Yeah, it feels you know? possible because that is the energy of aliveness as childlike curiosity. Wouldn't it be fun? And then you're not in your head thinking, well, that's not viable. Well, that's a stupid idea. So, you know, all the shit that keeps us from doing the thing that's actually most fun. So I recommend everyone, it's been a game changer. Just getting myself into that state, wouldn't it be fun if, and I'm like, yes, and notice how quickly your mind comes in and is like, no, you can't do that. I don't have <laughs> yeah, be like, yeah. the fun sponge, the yeah, fun critic the fun is sponge. like, you can't do that. So don't worry about it. Cause in my book, I do have a chapter called voice your resistance out loud. And I teach you how to create the voice of gentle firmness. I, I say it's the best of my immigrant mother and father. My mother was uh, quite harsh, but I, I I've taken the best of her. She is firm. She's a very firm woman and she has, I mean, she, she's harsh, but there is a, I took the best of it. She's a firm, she's firm. And my dad, he definitely coddled the hell out of us. My dad was hashtag girl dad all the way. I mean, there were no boundaries with my father, right? So you had to compensate for your mother. Yeah, he yeah. sure did. That's, you said it, not me. I mean, yeah. you said it. So I took the best of my father, which is his gentleness. He's extremely tender, my father. So I created a voice called gentle firmness. And this is the mm. voice that I talk about as far as your voice of resistance. Yeah, because yeah, we're going to be resistant. You don't want to beat yourself into the ground to push through. But I use a voice like when I don't want to get up out of bed or when I don't want to walk my 10K steps. I go, Vas, come on. You got to get moving. Let's go, honey. Let's go. Like I'm gentle, but I'm firm. Like I, So you get to play with your voice. I know what voice works for me. And everything starts up here for me, right? If I'm mean to myself up here, I'm not going to do anything. Because I will resist that voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think about that too, because I forget what I was processing or negotiating in myself, but I remember saying to myself, like, stop being a little bitch, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> and I brought it to my men's group because I was like, this actually feels somewhat motivating. Like, I, I want to process if 
I'm being demeaning to myself. Now, granted, you're listening. You might be like, you can't say, you little bitch. This is my internal world. You don't get to yep. censor it, right? Exactly. It's not politically correct, let me tell you. Everyone's internal world is not politically correct. Yeah. So, and if it is, that's that must be high. That enough. must be hard. So, that must, yeah, that must the be filter hard. that's going on. Like, So what was interesting, though, is the sort of qualifier they had is, is it coming with shame or is it coming with motivation? And that actually felt really, because there was actually a truth to there being a bit of shame in the statement. And so I got to sit with that and, and then clean it up, the energy of it. And then, you know, when I want to get, so now having a son, I have to get up before mom and kid get up so I can get a workout in and, you know, do my process in the morning. Otherwise it'll just never happen because when they get up, I take him. So that motivation in the morning of being like, this is how you create what you desire. This is how you create how you want to feel. And to speak to the part of myself, which you're saying, who's like, but we also need sleep. Can we get more? And it's like, yeah. And so how would I speak to that? So here's what I want to say. You talk about this all the time. We have to have trust with ourselves. Number one, have I ever said to myself, come on, boss, get up off your ass, put your sneakers on. All right. I have had the same. Uh, yes, I have enough trust with myself now that I know my own intentions. That if back in the day, if I would say, get your ass up, like well, I was like all broken on the inside, I had the lowest self-esteem, I just, my, my self-talk was shit. If I was to say to myself a few years ago, boss, get your ass up, I'd be like, no, don't tell me what to do. But there's enough trust and repair built within myself mm, that that's if, interesting. yeah, so I would say to you and, and anyone who's wondering, you know, what kind of tone should I use? With yourself, you know, I mean, yes, if, if stop being a little bitch is fueled with shame, you know, with, with shame. But if it, yeah, I don't recommend this statement, everybody, but suck. you got an inner David Goggins. But here, but here's what I would do. If there is a part of you that can respond back. So well, here's what I would do, Mark. I would have you ask yourself out loud, which part of me feels shame when I tell myself to stop being a little bitch? How old is that part of me? that feels shame when I say to myself, stop being a little bitch. Probably like 12 or 13. Was I supposed to answer? Yes. Yeah, so the, I'm, I'm, I want to tra train you on how to do it with yourself. So you would, okay. you would do okay. that with yourself. You're being coached instead. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, because, no. because what yeah. I'm trying to show is that you can do it with yourself. I just happen to be here. So you would let your 12, 13-year-old Mark respond because he's still inside of you. He's just a bigger version. That's you. So what would he say? He would say, that feels hurtful because my sensitivity was shamed as a kid. And then you get to be the dad coach that you want to be. And you can say, do you feel like I don't respect you? Or how does it feel like, how does it feel when I say that to you? And let that part of you speak. Go ahead. It makes me feel like you think I. Yeah. The child part of me. Yeah. The response would be like my sensitivity is being shamed, like the amount of emotionality that I have was not allowed to be expressed and, and was shamed by peers because it wasn't correlated to masculinity. So very valid point. Your 12, 13 year old has a lot of wisdom. He's absolutely right. His sensitivity was shamed. He was probably made fun of, bullied or you know, stop, you know, being told stop being a little bitch. So of course now, you know, Mark adult is telling him stop being a little bitch. And he's like, what? Again? Like, come on. Like, I'm just starting to like start to feel good. Like, please don't talk to me that way or whatever that conversation is. Now, the goal here is to get that mark on board. You're the quarterback. All the parts of yourself are your teammates. 
That doesn't mean that 12, 13-year-old Mark... So the adult is the quarterback. I like this. Yes, you're the quarterback. So 12, 13-year-old Mark, very valid point. He feels sensitive. He's been shamed. But you want to get Mark, little Mark, on board because you have shit to do in this lifetime. You're <laughs> a new so dad. You're a new dad. You have Kylie. You have this. You have, you have all the things that you want to create. Mark, 12, 13-year-old Mark, he's a wonderful, sensitive young boy. And I think he's pretty prevalent in your life. It's clear just the kind of dad you are, the kind of writing. But maybe when it comes to certain areas, he's a little bitch. He is. He's a little bitch. He is. He can be a little... Here's the thing is when that part of myself managed my life mm-hmm. with the overt sensitivity, I became a doormat. Yes. So that mark is not driving any cars. Can sit in the car and be like, it's time to be more open-hearted and curious about that. And quarterback's like, Oh, yeah, you actually can speak up right now. Harsh Mark, who is reactive and more like uh, jaded, which would probably be about 6, uh, 15. Mm-hmm. He also can't have the microphone. <laughs> he sometimes gets it on social media. Because, hey. If you haven't heard me talk about Cozy Earth Sheets before, let me tell you, I'm about to introduce you to the greatest sheets you will ever have touch your body. Anytime someone comes to our house and stays in our guest room, they always want to know what is the bed situation? What are the sheets that we have? Their sheets, their comforters, their duvets, everything is magic. Their bedding is naturally breathable. It's temperature regulating. It's so damn soft. It's ethically sourced viscose from bamboo. It's incredible. And the brand was featured on Oprah's favorite things But before that, it was featured on Mark's favorite things. Like, I discovered this brand years ago before I ever even chatted with them about being a sponsor for the podcast. And because I love their product so much, I asked for an exclusive offer for you and you get 40% off site-wide. And now they have pajamas. They have like loungewear. So not only do you get to wrap yourself in the experience of the sheets as clothing, but you then get to get into the bed in that. So you're like double wrapped. And so all you got to do to save 40% off site-wide is use the code GROVES at checkout. So just my last name, G-R-O-V-E-S. So go to CozyEarth.com. C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H dot com and use the code Groves and you get 40% off all their products. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. You know, it's like you were talking about your mom and dad. It's like there are these two extreme archetypes, which is so true of so many of our parents, right? Like one was overtly assertive, controlling, whatever. And the other one was people pleasy, doormatty. I mean, it's just the fucking way people relate. But there is a beautiful wisdom in both, which I think about those archetypes of like the overexpressed child versus the overexpressed warrior. And you can't live your life as a warrior and you can't live your life as a, a toddler. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you will continuously be invited to find balance. So this voice of speaking into, so I would invite sensitive Mark to the table, but I'd also be like, Hey, we got to get stuff done. And I hear you. So how would I, yeah. I want to first always assume the best in this Mark. Sensitive Mark wants to get on board. He wants to be a team player. He is not out to get you. I always want to think the best of everyone that I meet because life is just, I don't like 
walking through life thinking the worst of people is just not a way to live. And I want you to think the it's best so of- It's so hard. It's so hard. It just feels like everything's attacking you, right? And it's like, no, it's not. It's not, you know? So it may feel like that though. And I get that, but I want to put the power back in everyone's hands. So what I would have you do is talk to that 12-year-old Mark Like you got to get his trust back. If you want to say, stop being a little bitch. If you, this Mark current self wants to be. Okay. I think I got it. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I love this. All right. Listen, little man, your heart, your love is so powerful and your sensitivity. And we need every aspect of that. Can you trust that I will know when we need to access that sensitivity and when what I'm exposing or putting us through is actually for our growth, but you are always safe. Beautiful. And I always want to hear you. So thanks for expressing yourself. Your sensitivity is respected and appreciated. There's a period at the end of that. And I would encourage you to maybe ask him, what can I do for you to trust me? How will I know that you trust me? me? How will I know from you whether or not you feel safe with me? Have secure boundaries. Don't be pretending you got boundaries. Actually have boundaries because it's the pretending that fucks us up. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's the not standing in the actual boundary that then I can't trust you because you're telling me we have a boundary, but then we don't. And we end up in circumstances that hurt my sensitivity. So be consistent, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's sensitive Mark talking back. That's, uh, yeah. I can't I can't have this conversation. For you listening, don't worry. This is my internal process and dialogue. You cannot be canceled for your inner dialogue. For what you're telling, yeah. you cannot be canceled yeah. for that. Please. You can maybe for my Indian accent. No. Everything else. Just- Listen, if I haven't canceled you and I'm the most Indian as they come, no one else has the right. I, I, you're fine. You're, you're good. I'm okay with that. I have safety with you and I have trust. So I'm not. We're good. Yeah, we're, we're good. good. And you know, it's actually natural for humans to speak to people. You don't have an accent, but to speak, well, you kind of have a New Yorker. When accent. I talk to my parents, it's like, I am a poo from- Do they kick in? I am, oh, it is very, very strong. Very strong. I don't, my parents speak perfect English, by the way. They're very educated. They've been here for over 40 years. Yeah, when I talk to English, when I talk, I mean, I talk in English with them, but we also speak our native mother tongue. My sister goes, Why? is your accent so thick right now? When I, talk, It's like, why do I speak English in a very thick Indian accent? It just happens. Like if my mom were to call us right now, you'd be like, I don't know who you are. Who is my guest? I don't know who this is. Yeah. Yeah. I, so when I was in sales, especially when I worked in like electronic sales, that was when I was in college, you'd be beside another salesperson and you could hear their pace and tone change to the customer. And this is so that people feel... For you listening, the reason we do that is that's mirroring. It builds rapport. If we do it with pace in terms of the pace of our voice, the tone of our voice, our energy, we mirror body language. Those are all really powerful rapport building techniques. So anyways, I digress. Let's get back to my 12-year-old. Yeah, so with your 12-year-old or with any part of us. So I saw this reel the other day that it says your inner child just wants love. Your inner teenager just wants revenge. And your current self just wants peace. And I was like... Okay. Like, and I, so I really resonate with you. Like my inner teenager has a lot, has a lot to say. She has no filter. And I've been like, okay, we need to, we need to calm her down a little bit. Cause she has, you know, she's fiery, my inner teenager. So I don't know why I told you that, but I just thought it was great. that No, you were, mine, yeah. mine 
is like the reaction to being a doormat. So it's like, of course, I had to learn to access anger. But the problem is I didn't know how to access anger with the small things of the sensitivity where that sensitivity is a superpower. And it goes, ah, like, hey, there's something up here. But I learned to shut off the sensitivity, which that wasn't productive. It just turned me into a player. You know, it just turned me into an avoidant, classic avoidant male. My mother did not know how to handle me during my teenage years. So instead, like you kind of shut down, it sounded like, but you still had a lot of anger that you didn't express. So you were avoided. I went the complete opposite. I used to be an explosive person. I've had a tendency in the past to be an explosive person. I love that shift in languaging. I'm not identifying with that anymore. That's not my current reality. I've had a tendency in my life to be impulsive and explosive. And I have a lot of compassion for that part of me because she was very misunderstood, very misunderstood. Mm. And, you know, when a girl's going through puberty, growing hair, I mean, every, all my friends are making out. None of the boys like me because I'm a hairy Indian girl. And then you have a mom who just, you know, tells you not to have sex and doesn't talk about anything. It's, it's hard. So we have to be the ones to find what they need because underneath that 12, 13, 15 year old mark, there's a very sensitive young man that just wants to feel his power and be respected. That ability to come back to all the, because you're speaking to all these parts of yourself and parts of myself we're, we're speaking to that are actually imperative to explore and to, like you're saying in the book, you label these things and learn how to speak to them. That's the journey through because it's all these unsaid, unspoken, unacknowledged pains and sufferings. And, you know, I think about this a lot, like, 400 years ago, you know, there were obviously weren't podcasts, but I don't think people were sitting around eating grapes, like talking about their childhood trauma because they were too busy doing shit, right? They're like, why are you talking? Go get some more berries or go hunt. Like you're always talking. That would have been me, you know, but I, maybe I could be, I think I was a court jester in a past life. That's the one theory I have, yes. you know, dance for the king or mm -hmm. whatever, but now we have such an opportunity in this generation, generations, to actually do this important work to be as present as we can in this incarnation. That, for so many different reasons that are all valid, was not really available to my parents in their young years. Now it's more available to them because, you know, my mom's an immigrant. They both grew up really poor. They weren't thinking about their emotional disrespect. The nervous system, Peter Levine was really the pioneer of even the conversation about it. And now any relational work that is absent of nervous system work is not full. That's why I love what you're talking about is you're teaching people how to regulate and learn to be with parts of themselves so that their window of tolerance gets broadened. And that's beautiful because they don't even know they're doing what they're doing, which actually provide and they're like wow things are changed i'm different when it's kinder up there and you can't bullshit yourself up there and you're honest with yourself and you learn how to talk back to those mean voices in your head you become a lot less afraid of other people so for example growing up in an all-white town being the you know indian immigrant walking oh my god mark so walking into the cafeteria for me was like, it was awful. I mean, my mom would pack me Indian food. She would have slathered my hair with warm coconut oil and put them in two braids. That's why I do have very nice hair. My mother oiled my hair every day, but on Long Island, New York, the kids were like, you smell like curry and you smell like coconut oil. And the cafeteria was- Coconut oil smells so good. It is, but you know, it's just when you, when you, 
Not when you're in school. Mixed with curry. I'm not coconut yeah. curry. Yeah, but you are talking, this is in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, yeah. Coconut in oil. New Jersey. In, in, on yeah. Long Island, New York. I, I, I grew up in a very blue collar, oh, which is fine. But it was Island. like, they, they were not people like me there. Okay. So every time I'd walk into the cafeteria, I'm like, shit, I'm going to smell. I have, my food's going to smell. My hair's going to smell. And, and it was predominantly all white. Here's how self-talk has helped me. When I go into a networking event, when I speak on stage in front of almost an all white audience, when I go to my friends' houses and everyone's like predominantly white, even to this day, of course, there is a part of me that seven through 17, there's a 10 year period of my life. Walking into the cafeteria was so anxiety producing. The kids would make fun of me. The girls who I started to hang out with, they were like the bad girls. They were the cool girls. They turned on me and I remember walking in and I left. I called my dad and I said, I would eat in the bathroom stall. I would sit in the bathroom stall and eat by myself. So even today, 40-year-old Vas, I still, just a little bit, it comes up. Oh my God, is everyone going to be all white? Are you like, you know, are they going to like you? Or, you know, and I'm so hyper aware of who I am and I hate being hyper aware of who I am. Not in that way. You know what I mean? Like I want to be present. I don't want to be self-conscious. I want to be self-expressed. And even then it comes up. This is how self-talk will help you because before I get off the elevator, even on my way driving to where I'm going, I'm not going to say no to a speaking event because there's an all-white audience. No, you don't want – This is a – this I'm white. Yeah. Did you come on this podcast no, being like, that no, guy no, is so white. No, Mark. No, Mark. <laughs> no, no, I, not with you at all. But I, I want to say that those voices in our head, those different parts of us that are unresolved and haven't been able to say how they feel, they're going to stop you from living out your calling. Because in that, yeah, yeah. That's so true. What am they I, become the limits yeah. to your possibility. Am I not okay? So, so let's just say, how do you I, speak to that? Okay, how do I speak to that? So, I actually talk to myself on the way to the talk, on, and I say out loud, and I do this. It's two things. It's not just self-talk. I also practice a lot. So I don't want to just act like I talk myself. I'm very prepared before I get on stage, before I'm, I have practiced, I have rehearsed. It's part of my muscle memory. So there's that piece. There's the actual practice and preparation. But the internal preparation is when I have my practice sessions with myself and I'm and I'm moving around and I'm performing and I'm pretending there's an audience, I will let the voices in my head be like, oh my God, what if that old white lady What's going to happen if you offend her? What's this? And I'll say it out loud and I'll be like, no, we're going to be okay. Like I have to manage that as I'm doing it because I have a job to do. And I don't just mean it like a J-O-B, like I have a calling. I know that I have a calling. You have a calling. And so I talk to that part of myself and I prepare internally. My preparation internally is the game changer for how I show up externally. And it really is paying attention to and giving the time of day to those voices. And that doesn't mean sitting this long therapy session with myself. It's letting them say out loud what the fear is. And I'll be like, okay, we're going to be okay. And usually what quiets those voices, honestly, is acknowledging it, but a shit ton of preparation. Because I realized when those parts of myself don't feel prepared, like what are we going to say? Then it starts to worry about all the other stuff. What do I look like? What are, but when I'm prepared and I know my shit, that part of myself that's like nervous is like, no, baby, we got it. Let's go. And then it's like go time. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. How did you negotiate or did you deal with how those voices even tried to sabotage you being prepared? Did that happen? Or did you recognize the adult or the quarterback is like, no, we prepare and preparation is You know, I always think of that saying, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I feel like that is very true. Like if you don't see possibility, you won't see possibility. 
and you're speaking about tapping into possibility, wouldn't it be amazing if, wouldn't it be fun if, have you had to deal with the saboteur who tried to send you to a stage unprepared so you can bomb and with the white people or what? No, never. I mean, and, and I usually have a few in- instances. Maybe I'm I'm just blessed. I don't know. Or I've been able to tap into that part of me. If it's anything related to sharing my story, using my voice, getting on a podcast interview, I have been asked to share a story. I've been asked to help. We get on board. Well, I was going to say, I wonder if that's due to your adaptive strategy being explicit expression. And then you've like, turn that into the superpower. So the adaptive strategy is say the thing, but now it's like, I must say the thing, but I must do it in service of purpose, not in service of significance or being heard. Yes. Or, you know, and so, beautiful. and so I weave it into my talk because what, most of what I talk about is your inner game, your performance with inside of your head. And so I say, you know, there's one part of me every time I get up on stage and there's a majority of white people in the audience, this is what that voice tells me. I actually use that as part of my talk. I don't have to do it every time. Some, if it's relevant, I'll weave it in, right? If I'm talking about the voices in our head and what the voices in our head are telling us about so-and-so person and my audience is learning from me on visibility or wanting to put themselves out there, I share that because even though you may not have a fear of white people because you might be white, we all are, have been conditioned to be afraid of one another in some shape or form for whatever reason. So I just weave it in. I weave it into my talk, but because I have a clear North star for me, those voices in my head that are scared to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. I have found that what helps me feel like unstoppable and confident is through practice and preparation. That is absolutely the thing. Cause the, you know, the more, you know, the more you practice, no one can take that away from you. That's muscle memory. At that point, it's just game time. And so between like, even, even our friend Nita's book launch party, she asked me to host it. And I was like, Oh my God, girl, are you really asking me to host this? Because there were some really big names in the, in the, on the guest list. And I was getting really nervous. I'm like, there's Dave Asprey, like the Bulletproof coffee guy. I mean, like all these people that I'm like, they're going to see me. Like this was running the show. She asked me two months before. And so I spent December and most of January preparing. I had a detailed agenda. I knew like the jokes that I was going to say. I practiced every freaking night. Hey, y'all, welcome to the that's, you know, like I would I would hear myself saying the things that I wanted to say. And I would see, like, how does it feel? How does it feel to say this? How does this joke feel? And by the time her book launch party, I was I killed it. I crushed it. And because of that, I booked another host gig for somebody else's book launch party. So oh, it was sweet. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it's coming up June 6th, actually. So my point in saying this is that most people don't get to the place of preparing and practicing because the voices in their head stop them from even doing the thing. And so you need sabotage even getting there. Yeah. 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 Well, you were talking about visibility. Yeah. And when I think about your work and your book and the conversations you have, it really is about becoming more visible externally, like expression. Yes. From a self-development perspective to our own voices and our own selves. But that seems to be a core part or the same process as sort of coming out to the world as yourself. And when I think about the majority of, let's say, comments I see or feedback I get from people about their fears relationally, but also in life, because they're the same thing, is this fear of telling the truth, this fear of expressing self, this fear of, I mean, I think that we are in the most I think we're at a very important cultural moment where our capacity 
to express ourselves, the pressure from culture is to be silent about everything that's sensitive. And that has actually created the illusion of consensus. And that actually isn't productive to society. And this same pattern shows up relationally. We silence ourselves and then we end up in relational circumstances and lives that we actually don't agree with. It's the exact same thing. And like your work couldn't be more important in that because there are so many voices in people right now that they are not sharing because they're afraid they're going to get trolled. They're going to get told they suck. They're going to get called phobic or anti or racist or whatever it is. And mind you, of course, I think people should be mindful of their language and all those qualifiers. But my point being that there is so much self-censorship going on, which is what you're talking about too, that to give rise to your visibility, it's interesting. I'd like you to just hear your opinion on what I'm saying. And also when we only give visibility to parts of ourselves and the cost that that can have on us, or even maybe the protective benefit of that too. I, I don't want to minimize that for some people speaking truth can actually come at an immense cost, Right. you know? So but- I want to be mindful of people's own discernment about their experience. So for me, as someone who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, when I looked up the metaphysical reason, because I always look up the metaphysical reason for everything. I do too. I got like a wart on my foot and I'm like, what does this mean? And it's like, your soul is a wart. No, he's just, I can't remember what it said, no, but I just remember being like, oh no. So yeah, yes, I I Google what is the metaphysical reason for this. But you know, 21 years ago, when I was diagnosed, I read this book, The Tao of Bipolar Disorder. And they said that people who have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I have type one, they struggle with being true to themselves, because they are split within, they are split, they have these high highs and these low lows. So yes, I'm on medication, I have chosen to get back on a low dosage of a little something, something. It's done wonders for my brain. I actually feel a, a quieting of my mind. It hasn't taken away my spark or my creativity. It's just a little something that, that I've been taking. And it's the best decision that I made for me. That's great. Thank you. But I have dedicated my life to find this place of oneness within. And so for me, that means, Mark, no matter whether I'm texting you or I see you in person or we're here, I'm the same. That feels good for me. I can just be like, if you saw me in person, it would be the same. So you asked what the cost was. And the cost really is the bipolarity within, right? I have it maybe on a more chemical imbalance kind of way, right? And that has manifested in different areas of my life. But whether you've been diagnosed with something or not, you're still living a split life. You're living a life of duality. And I'm, that does not mean that you say everything out loud and you put everything out loud. Please, there are things that you will never know about me. Some things are just for me. But where it matters, when it comes to you, your values, your standards, going after what you want, please say it out loud. Like what matters to you, right? It's not just saying everything. I I mean, so many people have come to me and just telling me everything. And I go, wait, don't say it out loud to me. (laughs) No, I actually like to shut the fuck up. I spend a lot of time in solitude and quiet. (laughs) That'll be your next book, Shut Shut the the Fuck fuck Up. up. And don't say it out loud to me, subtitle. No, here's what I want to say. So, So that is the cost. The cost is we have so many voices micromanaging us that we're not even able to get to the truth. Like, what do we really want to say? What's the message, you know, in this season of our life? It might change for me yeah. next season, right? Point is, we're not even getting to that point. And so that is the cost. We're putting out one thing, but then behind closed doors, we feel another way. And then it's just, so it just feels very incongruent for me. Like, no, I want how I'm feeling here. What I'm expressing is like, 
I don't want to hang up with this conversation and then feel shitty about myself. Like I want to feel good no matter where I am. Like, I don't mean, you know, not the manufactured happiness, but I, I want that sense of oneness no matter where I go. And so that's the cost of living that life of duality. That's interesting. The split, right? Which mm-hmm. I know when they, when we talk about trauma, you know, it causes often an internal split and the restoration of wholeness is the journey we're talking about. Even the speaking to all these different parts of ourselves is welcoming the inner family into a very giant suburban. So everyone can sit at the dinner table or whatever. I was speaking to a friend of mine who has bipolar, who's been diagnosed with bipolar. And we were talking about the really high highs that she would get and then the low lows and talking about her adaptive strategy as a child and and how she had somewhat of a similar in that she would like love, love, love all out. And, and when she would allow too much, she would then explode and go into a more depressive spiral. And I thought it was really interesting because we were talking about, she was saying that now that she is finding emotional regulation, she still gets pulled to these extremes sometimes, but she's actually seeing that it was, that diagnosis was very helpful for her to be able to see, to put her finger on the adaptive strategies first and where they came from. And anyway, so I just wanted to say that I think it's, it's like the title is able to label the behaviors we have and then make them make sense so we can then figure out what is it. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, for the past 21 years, I've had an on again, off again relationship with lithium, with all the mood stabilizers out there. And so I'm going to say this, I do believe that in the coaching industry, and I've been, you know, a therapist, coach, licensed for the past 11 years. I do think in the coaching industry, the belief is like you can basically coach your way through a mental illness and you can. Right. And I got sucked into that. I was like, well, it's just mindset work, right? It's just mindset work. And I'm not saying that mindset work doesn't help. But when I think about the most traumatized part of my brain, that is the bipolar part of my brain. I go from, and Mark, I've never said this out loud, but it's like, it's not me anymore. It's an entity. When I when I'm in this hypomanic state, and yes, my hypomania actually helps me when I'm creating. And when I'm up there speaking and you feel that energy, that's like a safe zone of hypomania. But if I don't know how to taper that off a little bit, I can swing into irritability. I can swing into like it just so I use it for good now. I use it when I need to. I'm not high, high, high all the time. Like, no, I have, and I've also learned not to confuse neutrality with depression. So that's another. Uh. That's interesting. Yeah. So even you asked me, how did it feel to see your book for the first time? Because I got it. And I told you it was neutral because I have, for me, it is healthy for me to stay neutral most of the time, right? I mean, I'm going to get excited when I get excited. I'll get happy when I, but it's, I'm not saying I contain myself. I don't limit myself, but I know my extremes. That sounds like healthy discernment, Yeah, you know? So it is a gift. I mean, I say this, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it has helped me to understand my mind and understand my coping strategies. In fact, I just picked up a book yesterday called the Bipolar Workbook so I can revisit my own moods and get even clearer on my triggers in this season of my life because my triggers are what sets me off. It's what sets me off. It can I can go from here to here. So I'm acutely aware of my triggers And I'm now listening to that part of myself that's like, no, Voss, if you know that the fire is hot, stop putting your hand in it, right? Stop going to people who have proven to you over and over again, they will not understand you. That's what this is helping me remember again. Like, no, you're not crazy. You just need to stop being around certain people sometimes. Like, it's okay for you to create distance from people. So 
educating myself, re-educating myself, you know, since I've recently decided to get back on meds has been very helpful. The other thing that I want to say that it has felt like a curse because I don't care what anyone says about biohacking and supplements and this. I do all the things. I take my vitamins. I take my supplements. I know myself best. I just realized I've been doing all the things to feel good. And then I was like, why is my mind still attacking me? My mind felt like it was attacking me. And I just had that moment where I said, it shouldn't be this hard to feel this good when I'm doing all the things. Like I'm doing all the, I have self-talk, I'm moving, I'm hydrating, I have great friends, I have great boundaries, I sleep on time, I eat, you know, like I'm, I, I feel good with my lifestyle. And that's when I decided like I have too much to do in this lifetime. My mind attacking me on the regular is just, it's slowing me down. So yeah, it's been a really good decision. That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of people when they're making a choice like that, they have shame because they're like, oh, did I fail the holistic blah, blah, which is like, no, not true at all. It's like you're being discerning and making choices that work for you. And as you said, you know yourself best and you're doing all the things, right? All the things. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, I had to talk myself through that because I have the voice of denial. Foss, you don't need that. You just need to do this. You just need to be more positive. It's like, Okay, so we're going to bypass a chemical imbalance. We're going to just talk. No. So it's like, this is not just about affirmations. This is about really being honest with yourself. And I got really honest with myself. When I'm in a very severe case of mania, I will destroy my relationships. I will try to. It will convince me this person is out to get me. I cannot help it. And for someone in the coaching industry, I was like, ooh, that sounds victim-y. I can't help it. But I had to, I don't know if it's humble myself, I don't know what, but I just had to admit that I needed help. I'm curious how the process of saying it out loud and the writing of the book has helped you relate to those parts of your mind and the extremes. Yes. So as I was writing the book, I really wanted the book to not just be like, it's not just about me, right? It's, it's I, I, I use some stories about me. I use some stories about clients, but I really wanted to teach something. I really wanted to teach something. And the more I kept marketing this book, right? As you probably know this, the writing the book wasn't that hard for me. It's the promoting of the book, right? It's a lot of the promotional materials and the marketing. And throughout the book, I found myself being even kinder to myself because I'm teaching my reader to be kinder to themselves, to them. And so now when I had to decide to get back on medication, I just had a very logical and kind conversation with myself. It was, I was logical and I was kind and I was real. And so writing the book and preaching to others, being kind to themselves, stop being so toxic with yourself has helped me make better decisions for me and really be able to discern this voice of pride. Like, oh, you don't need that. You don't need to be on medication. You're better than that. It's like, this has nothing to do with superiority. This has not, yeah. So I'm able to distinguish this is a voice of pride. This is a voice that hates looking weak. There's a part of me that never wants anyone to see weakness because guess what? You're not going to come to my rescue anyway. Right? So that's that part of me that's like, no, we are not going to be weak. So it's this voice of like, it, and, and it is the most powerless part of me. The part of me that wants to act all powerful, but it's the most powerless part of me. And it's powerless because it refuses to ask for help. I just had that moment with myself and I, I spoke to myself and I said, we can't do this anymore. It's exhausting. And then that other part of me, the one who doesn't like exhibiting weakness said, yeah, I'm tired. I said, okay, mm. let's call the psychiatrist. And so, yeah, April 1st, it's been now, you know, 25 days and I'm feeling good. I haven't had any intrusive thoughts. It's quiet up there. It's nice. It's peaceful. And I, I, I was saying to a friend, 
it feels vulnerable to feel this peaceful. It feels vulnerable for me to have so much quiet in my brain so I can feel the difference. And uh, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And the book, where can people get it? I'm guessing everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. Barnes and Noble, Target, Amazon. But what I, where I want to point everyone is to go to vasavikumar.com forward slash order the book. You can order it anywhere. Click any of the logos that you'll see. And then make sure you come back to that page and grab your bonuses. And the one that I'm most excited about, Mark, there's like meditations and mini courses. But in, in June, I'm going to be doing a four-part book club. So everyone who has the book, we will go through, I believe it's starting June 7th. And then, and then those four weeks after that in June, we're going to be going through the book together. Like I'm leading, I mean, and guess what? I say it out loud enough. Okay. So everyone who joins my book club, y'all are going to be saying it out loud. That's what I love is really using this. Like I have this book and now it's like when you're in my presence or in my groups, you know, you're going to say it out loud. So there's going to be that's, some purging and great. releasing and it's going to be great. Sorry. The website, vasavikumar.com slash what? Order the book. Order the book. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, order the book at slash. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I get it. We'll put the link in the show notes. This has been really powerful. And I've not thought of the process that you're speaking to in such a literal, explicit way, which I can I can see the immense value of being able to do. Even actually speaking to the sensitive part of myself, I oh. can feel a shift. Good. So thank you. Yeah, stop being it. a little bitch, Mark. Stop being a little bitch. <laughs> no. That's what I'm going to call this episode. Stop. Stop. No, I no. Call it. Call it. Stop being a little bitch. Say it out loud. No. <laughs> I dare you. Don't do it. Don't, no, don't no, do no, it. No, no. No, no. Click. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Appreciate your friendship and appreciate your expression and your constant self-reflection and you putting this process into a written and, and audible experience for people to listen to and, and work through. And I love that the exercises are audible. Might be my favorite part. Thank you. Well, I want your audience to know what a wonderful human being you are. I mean, obviously they know that they listen to you, you know, week after week. And when I told you the book was coming out and I asked you to, you know, support me, you were just said, yes, I'll, I'll do whatever you need. And you're just a very kind, generous human being. You know, you're a new dad, you got all the things, you know, and you still made time for this conversation. And I feel so comfortable with you. It's hard to talk about this stuff with people who just don't know stuff. You know, <laughs> you are so kind and, and you are so sensitive. And I love, I love that about you. And you're able to see things in a way that makes me feel less crazy, to be honest, because you know, I, you haven't been in my head. It's, you know, <laughs> so, and I, and I always say, I don't think I'm better than people. I'm actually worse than you. That's why I'm qualified. My, you don't know how dark my brain goes. I am so qualified to help you. I don't think I'm better than you. I'm worse. <laughs> I'm worse. But anyway, shout out to you, Mark, just for being so amazing and just how you're showing up too is really powerful. So I love you and thank you so much. Much love. Love you. <laughs> 